having that discussion before a transaction is made, before a decision is made, I think involves them without them being involved. They know and they can trust the decisions that are being made are for the benefit of the family. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Conscious investor, grateful to have you back as always. And before we dive in, I just want to remind you that if you are getting value from these episodes, make sure that you're sharing them with people that you care about, because that's how we truly make an impact in the lives around us. And as conscious investors, we want to be present and aware and creating a powerful, positive ripple effect in the world around us. So please make sure that you are sharing these episodes. Just share with that first person that comes to mind. Super easy. Click the share and you can send a text message with a link and boom, it's already done. Today, I am joined by just this most amazing, vibrant woman and conscious investor. You know, I appreciate I am in a male-dominated industry and I appreciate, I'm surrounded by really just classy gentlemen and I am so grateful. And I'm also grateful when I have an opportunity to be, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Oh my goodness. I know, I'm like, wow. I'm grateful when I can be in the presence of a woman who is blazing the trail. Oftentimes women look to me and I get off a stage and they look to me and they are grateful for me. And I feel that way, Jen, about you. It's just like, wow, you are blazing the path ahead for everyone. And as a fellow woman, I'm just like, I'm grateful for everything that you do. She has just set the pace for decades in real estate. She is an accomplished author. She has two podcasts of her own. So can we already say high performer? And not only that, I mean, like, what she's achieved within over a billion dollars of originations within the mortgage lending space and being one of the top 200 like of all of the mortgage originators in the nation. She's made that top 200 year after year. And so I'm so grateful for you. You are beautiful inside and out and you're so generous, you know, with your contributions to the world around you. So thank you so much for joining the Conscious Investors. Thank you so much. I just appreciate all the kind comments you made. So thank you so much for that. But I feel the same way. We've just definitely hit it off. We are definitely a kindred spirit. So we probably had a podcast before in the green room before we even had this podcast. We probably spoke in a podcast just because we're having so much fun. So it's just a delight to be with you here today. And I cannot wait to share as much as I can in the time we have. Oh, I'm absolutely excited. There are so many similarities in our messaging, like you said, kindred spirits. And one of the things that really resonates with me is just how you're like, we both back right oh today God. as soon as we, watched, and then we were like oh we got the memo right I mean there's so many things that are the same <laughs> <laughs> so 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 true one of the things that also stands out to me is just how you're like we don't have to wait to leave a legacy we can be living our legacy right now it's such a critical message I don't think I've shared this with you before conscious investor you know my dad had a unexpected departure from earth at the early age of 69. And that really impacted my life and understanding that we really need to make every moment matters, every heartbeat matters. And so that concept of living your legacy versus leaving a legacy really deeply resonates with me. Where did that come from? What does that mean to you? 
Oh my gosh, in different places. It's an accumulation of a lot of different things. But I would say that I just think as business owners and entrepreneurs and even employees, we're just wrapped up in what we think is success based on what our neighbors have, right? And so, for example, I remember way back in the day when everybody had a Montblanc pen and that was like, oh, you've arrived because you have a Montblanc pen or you've arrived because you're having a BMW, which we call Beamers. And, but then I realized that that's someone else's dream. That's not what success is for me. And I think that everybody's definition of success should be their own. And I thought I want to leave a legacy and I'm going to, but I don't need to leave it. I can live it right now. So my mom had this goes like this, and I think this will explain it really well, but I say this quote all the time. And now I can't say it. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. And so what I started realizing is that I was climbing the corporate ladder, chasing, 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 thought was going to be success, et cetera. But here I am dealing all these thoughtless blows to everyone around me, barking our orders, pushing them aside. Oh, I'll just go to the next recital and I can have, well, we'll just push off, push off our vacation and I won't have dinner with my husband tonight, all those pieces. And I just realized that I don't have to wait. Wait. I can choose to choose myself first. I can choose to make my family more important and everything else more important first. And then I can build this incredible business around it. And I'll talk more about that in a minute, I'm sure. <laughs> wow. Okay. Was there a catalyst to that? I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Was there something going on in your life that really made you take those words to heart? Was it kids were at a certain age or your marriage was in a certain place or something? What was happening and how were you able to internalize those words so that they changed your life? Yeah, that's a process. (laughs) But it's constantly progressing because I still use some other new words that I've been adding to some of that phraseology. But I mean, I'm going to go way back, but I'm not going to talk real long about it. But I was one of 36 first cousins. I was the only one who was an only child until I was 13. And then my mom and dad had my son, my, I felt like my son, I bet. <laughs> my brother. And oh yeah, it felt like a, because when my husband and I were dating, because we started dating, we were 14 and 15. Sam was only two years old when my mom would say, take Sam with you, go on the date, take mm-hmm. Sam with you. So it was like our son, but my father was an alcoholic. My mom was a verbal abuser. And we were that awful family in the family. We didn't have anything. We were poor. Every one of the cousins had nicknames and like Dan, the man and Gene, the machine. And mine was Jenny, who ain't got a penny. Obviously didn't quite understand it when I was younger, but I would always carry a penny in my shoe because it was a joke and he was laughing and paying attention to me. So I go, oh, I have a penny. And later I realized what it truly meant. So my entire life, and and there was an episode when I was younger that was a catalyst that said, you know, I'm going to show these people. I'm going to prove to everybody that I'm not Jenny who ain't got a penny. I'm going to prove that I can be something. And it was money centric, right? And that transcended into high school. I was the best of everything, a cheerleader. I was runner up Miss Colorado. I was Miss Colorado Springs, you name it. I was going to be a cardiologist. So I was pre-med. So I was straight A student. And all of that transcended into my work life as well. And so I had to be the top, the best, whatever I was proving. And at this time, I was closing $50 million a year in production. I was in the top 1% of loan officers, but top 1% of 780,000 people, it means that I'm in the top 78,000, 
right? And that was okay. I was okay with that. The challenge was there's got to be a better way to do this. There has to be a code. Somebody, I've got a crack code and I call it cracking the top producer code. There's got to be a code, a combination where I can be with my family and not be latent with excuses mm-hmm. as to why I'm having dinner by myself and it's freezing cold and all this stuff mm-hmm. and still do this production of $50 million. And I was happy with that. We went to dinner one night and the phone rang and <laughs> I jumped and on demand, not in demand. I jumped and I answered the call and I went outside and I call it walking the concrete balance beam, which you know is all of us have walked that concrete balance beam. It's just the curb, right? We're like out there walking back and forth and walking yep. back and forth. And I happened to look into the window of the restaurant and my family was laughing and creating all these beautiful memories and I wasn't in them. And at that moment, I said, it's got to stop. I'm done proving and I'm going to start living. And so I set out to figure out that code, cracked it. And I wasn't looking for the, what I got from it. I was looking for time. And what I ended up doing was closing 102 million and only working four days a week. And now I had accelerated and thrust myself up into the top 200 loan officers in the country. And I was loving my life and am still loving my life because of it. It's so interesting and it's so inspirational that when we start putting some constraints on ourselves and when we are very clear about what we want and we start saying like, I'm not going to sacrifice this time with my family, we become extremely creative. It's not that Mm -hmm. we're not capable of living our legacy and writing it in our moment. It's that honestly, we're just lazy and we're not being creative and we're not putting our thinking caps on. Spoiler, conscious investor. I'm reading Earl Nightingale's book right now, Lead the Field. And he's really talking about, hey, you know, like start thinking, really get that brain activated. And I love that you did that. And you drew a line in the sand and said, not anymore. How did that change? Mm -hmm. And then you're more successful, (laughs) which is just beautiful. Most people don't realize that relationship. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I mean, I love what you're saying. And we've all heard this before. We are human beings, not doings, but we tend to be doings. We are glorifying busyness. People say, I know you're really busy and I'm going, but I'm never too busy. I'm never, ever too busy for having a conversation. And because I know people need, and I don't want to be a human doing, I want to be a human being. So I like having that private time, but yeah, I mean, definitely success happened there. And then being a woman going into that top 200 was really powerful. And then people started calling me and they started saying, can I pick your brain? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? And of course I'm a giver. And so I was giving, giving, giving. And I thought, gosh, I don't have time to do this because I'm running this business. I have kids, you know, all this stuff. And so I said, well, I heard of this thing called a podcast. I don't really know what it is, but let me just explore it. Maybe I could answer questions on a podcast. And so the first plethora of podcasting for nine years now. So the first handful were me just answering questions for people because I just didn't have the bandwidth. Honest to goodness, if I hadn't started that podcast, I would simply be a retired loan officer. And I wouldn't have all the books and the TV show and the other podcasts and all the things that I have in my life, speaking on stages with unbelievable people and calling them friends. Mm -hmm. That would never have happened if I hadn't taken that next leap and explored something that was out of my comfort zone. Mm, I love that. Everything that we want requires us to step into discomfort. We're not going to have the life we want if we're just staying where we are, where we're comfortable. And so we have to do that. What was that support like around you as you're doing this? And by the way, my husband and I met in middle school. We didn't get together until our 20s, but 
it, there's something really special about when you know somebody that long in life. He just mentioned that last night. Like, it's so neat that we can reference things and we really know. So what was that like for you and your husband as things you're going through all of this metamorphosis, which life is just a, it should be a continuation of us just changing and transforming. But what has that been like? Well, I mean, the first thing is that, and I have this in my first book, it says, and I just believe this, it's not a quote or anything. It's my quote. It just takes a really strong man to stand behind a strong woman, but an even stronger man to stand behind someone who is unstoppable. I'm not going to be stopping anytime soon. My dad said, better to wear out than rust out, right? So I'm going to wear out, (laughs) right? So my husband's just been my rock really in my entire life. I mean, we married at 19 and he's just been my rock my entire life. And so anything that I've wanted to do, he supported me in doing. And I like him to be near me and be part of, but now he's saying, look, I kind of need my own thing. I need my own flying I get that. I totally get that. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't support me. So I think that his childhood was very difficult. His parents married each other three times. That says a lot. (laughs) It's crazy. So I think for him, he knew and still does to this very moment. He knows and wants to, I shouldn't say knows, he wants to support me. He wants to do anything that will create this beautiful marriage. And, you know, we're going to celebrate 40 years of marriage this year. And we're headed on a big cruise here shortly in the next couple of weeks or so. And I never really had to fight for that. I will tell you that he had a traumatic brain injury a couple of years ago. In May, it'll be two years. And so that's changed the dynamic of what we're doing. And I feel like I'm continuing to morph, as you've been saying, like continuing to change and, and have that personal development. And there seems to be a bigger gap. And so I'm acutely aware of that and just reinforcing constantly how much I appreciate what he's doing for me. It doesn't feel like there's too much of a separation. I think that can happen in relationships where one party grows exponentially over the other and there's resistance and there's resentment and all of that. I'm just very, very aware that's happening, but it's a different kind of support, right? That I get. It's very emotional. It's very supportive. So it isn't, you make a dollar, I make a dollar, you make a dollar. It's not that. It's recognizing currency is not money all the time, right? So his currency is what he does to support me. And I value that so much, especially it's our culture that puts this dollar currency on everything. And that probably stings a little more based on what your cousins used to call you and everything. And you go get a penny. It's like, there isn't that time, talent, energy, and money. Those are resources. And so it's like, why are we focused on money? That's like renewable. Let's focus on these other resources and the beauty that it creates. And I just want to echo, I've spoken about this before. And Steve and I have created some podcast episodes, my husband and I together on For the Conscious Investor. And we've talked about that, having that communication so that you don't form that gap because it can happen. And so it's like keeping that communication open is so critical. And one more high five is I echo you also on having a very supportive husband. It takes a very, and I've told him, I've said, you're very, very strong, especially when you began in the mortgage lending. I mean, male dominated space. It takes a lot of strength as a woman to go in and I think even more strength for our husbands to say, you go get it, (laughs) go, go get it, you know, like do you think? (laughs) I think what you're saying is beautiful. And I think we hear of relationships. Well, we grew apart. So you allowed that. And not to say that, you know, I don't mean to say anything about anybody who's gone through divorce. I'm just saying that 
you do have choices. And so you can grow apart as long as you are. And I've always said this, like people say all marriage is 50, 50. I said, no, it's not. It's 99, 99, because that's the only way it holds. Oh, (laughs) it's the only way it holds. It can't be 50, 50. There's nothing to hold it together. It's just meeting in the middle. 99 it's held. There's nothing that can do it. So we all take the lead. We all, (laughs) there's only two of us. (laughs) Well, there's God in our relationship, right? But we take the lead on everything all the time. We don't wait. It's your turn to this or your turn to that or whatever. We both take the lead all the time because that's how it works. And we actually get in little tiffs over who's over-serving each other. It's pretty funny. (laughs) That's the best thing to have a tip over right there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So this is an interesting way to transition. So oftentimes I will work with coaching clients or I'll work with newer investors. And oftentimes one spouse is really pursuing learning about something. In this case, it might be personal development and transformation through performance coaching, or it might be through that passive investing process. And it really mirrors what we're talking about is that when one spouse starts to really grow and pursue something in life, it can create that gap. And so maybe help close that gap for some of our passive investors that are listening and growing. What would you say are some ways that they would be able to stay connected and keep their spouse who might not be interested in learning? And since you and I are both in the personal development transformation space and foot in like business and real estate in either capacity, how do we close that gap with that spouse? Yeah. Well, again, and you mentioned it, I think it's all about communication and not coveting or hiding or keeping it separate. I think, you know, if there's a person that is not involved in, and I think the person who is interested in investing needs to approach that person and say, to what extent can I take risk? To what extent are you comfortable with so that we don't have any issues? If you don't want to be involved in the day-to-day, then tell me where that is. Again, it's so funny. It's like we're heading down this marriage counseling thing today for whatever reason. But I think a long time ago, not now, but a long time ago, we had this rule that anything over $500, we would at least communicate with each other on before we spent the money. And so I think that's what has to happen in this. So I'll go to him with, hey, this is what this one looks like. I'm on the fence. I've got my lines in the sand, but I'm kind of on the fence on this. I don't know what's going on with it. I need your input. And so I think Mm -hmm. having that discussion before a transaction is made, before a decision is made, I think involves them without them being involved. They know and they can trust the decisions that are being made are for the benefit of the family. When you don't have that communication, then now you start putting wedges in the relationship And then that can lead to other issues and they can lead to financial ruin as well, because even the spouse who doesn't want to be involved is going to get involved in the end (laughs) somehow, some way. So I think the bottom line is communicating and doing it up front and maybe having a family meeting every month. We have family meetings, having a family meeting every month where we're saying, okay, this is what we want to accomplish this month. This is what we accomplished last month. How does everybody feel about it? I love that. And yet we have, we have ventured down this whole relationship path. And I think that's really powerful so often. And I want to just say, I appreciate your willingness to even go down that path. A lot of times we'll hop onto a podcast and we're going to learn all the mechanics and that's great. Learn all the mechanics, but if you kick butt with all the mechanics and you lose your life, you'd have zero personal freedom. And we're here to support you in gaining personal freedom and financial freedom. Like you can end up 
relationally bankrupt if you are not protecting that personal freedom component of your life. This conversation is so critical to you, Conscious Investor, because whether or not you are married or in a long-term relationship or not, you have people around you and being able to invite them into your life, into this process is absolutely critical to the success of your life and that living legacy. And so I just thank you so much for your willingness to go down and serve in that capacity. We try to do a blend. Sometimes you and I both know as podcasters, it just comes out. It's like, okay, we're going there. (laughs) So we're heading. That's where we're going today. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to head another direction now. And so let's go ahead and talk about some of the mechanics of real estate and what role has real estate played in your life on that passive investment side? And how did you get involved? I mean, you were already involved Well, let's start here. You were already involved in originating loans and such. How did you transition from originating loans into I also invest? Yeah, well, we started doing that right away. In fact, before I was even in the business, so March 1st, we're recording this on what, February 9th, March 1st, I'll be celebrating 40 years in the lending, mortgage, financial services, whatever you want to call it space. (laughs) Like I'm not originating anymore. I'm definitely retired from all that, but I still consider myself to be in financial services. That uncle that I told you about, he's still alive. I was just on the phone with one of my cousins a few minutes ago. He has COVID. He's 89 years old. So we're all concerned about him, right? He is a multi, 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 multi millionaire. He has golf courses. He has apartment buildings like all over the place. So actually when I was little, when my mom and dad, my dad was drinking, my mom was trying to find him and fighting with him or whatever. They would take me on as their child, basically. And so I consider them these second parents. But what they did is it's funny because when I say this now, it's it's so weird, but they were commercial cleaning companies, right? Nowadays, when we have commercial cleaning companies, we have to write Basura and we have to do all this stuff. But they were those people. They were those people who were cleaning at the time. And I used to sit, you know, that machine that polishes the floor. Yes. And there you go. I used to sit on that machine and work with them to clean, right? To clean these commercial spaces. And I used to, I was so tiny and I would just sit on the little thing and thought it was fun. And then they owned real estate. And so, and they own a lot of real estate in a town that has college, it's college town. So there's a lot of students, right? So they would come in 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 droves, they would leave in droves and I would help them clean these apartment buildings. And that student, I don't know what I'm trying to say, the student housing, thank you, (laughs) the student housing. And so then my mom and dad had rent rentals too, believe it or not, they had it attached to the house. So I would help them with that one as well. And then later my mom and dad We moved from Michigan to Colorado. I was born in Colorado, raised in Michigan, then raised in Colorado the second half. And we moved to Colorado. They started buying five-acre lots. And then my dad would go down and auction to the auction and get mobile homes. And then he'd drag them up. And then because he was a general contractor and everything, he drilled a well, drilled the well and septic and everything. And they'd rent them out to people. And then if someone rented with them for five years or longer and made good payments, they would offer the house to them under a land contract and just hold the financing. So they converted it into passive income. But all while this, and so I inherited a bunch of those properties when they passed away. But all during that, when we were 19 years old, we bought our first home. And it was in May 40 years ago because it was right before we got married in July. So we just started doing step investing. And I just feel anybody who's in mortgage and real estate, if they're not investing in mortgage or real estate, there's something wrong. It's kind of like I'm a fitness person, but I weigh 700 pounds, right? Or I'm a Mary Kay consultant, but I don't wear makeup, but you should. And I hear this a lot from real estate agents or I say, how many of you own your own home? And some go up and some don't because the income's so all over the place. And so they rent. 
But how many of you own a second home? Well, they own vacation property, but how many of you own investors, investment property? And there's so many people that don't. And Most. yet a client said, it's a good time to invest. And they go, yeah, it's great time. You should invest. I'm not investing, but you should invest. So we just started investing single families and a couple of small unit, five, seven unit properties. And then Airbnb came out, right? So I'm like, how do I convert? How do I convert those? In fact, this home that I'm sitting in is an Airbnb. It's not listed on Airbnb because I travel so much. I might as well make money while I'm not here. (laughs) And it pays for all my trips. And we did some of that. But recently we've gone into a syndication and we're doing a lot of buying properties with cash and then doing nothing to them and just selling them to people under a land contract and Mm -hmm. just having that kind of income. I mean, so how has it changed my life? Tremendously, right? I mean, every place I go, it's a possibility. It's an opportunity. Every time I travel, it's about business so I can write it off. Every time I travel, I'm earning money so I can write it off. I'm earning money while I'm sleeping. And it's really changed my life. I mean, I've always been an investor, always agreed in investing in properties. I have a little bit of Bitcoin, but I'm not really a fan yet. (laughs) I'm not sure yet. I have a little bit there, but yeah, yeah. That was a long answer. Oh my gosh. It's so fascinating to see, even though your cousins had this view of you as you don't have much and everything, but your parents, they were savvy enough to go and buy land and use the skills and resources. Again, going back to thinking conscious investor, making lists like, what do I enjoy? What am I good at? What resources do I have at hand? And so really your parents leveraging those resources, like your dad being a GC and buying land. And that's beautiful. And by the way, I love the concept of being a note holder. And oh, the first yeah, time I, I heard about it. that, I was like, that is the holy grail of investing right there. And talk about <laughs> yeah. passive investing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And even as a loan officer, I invested in transactions, you know, way back in, several years ago. And I maybe will see it come back in the woodwork again. But there was a lot of first and second mortgages, you know, 80, 10, 10s, 95, fives, 80, 15, fives, all of those types of loans. And I invested and provided the cash for those loans for the second mortgage, not for deals I was doing because that would be a violation, but for deal, I'd say to my real estate investors, look, if they can't get a second mortgage someplace else and call me, maybe I want to do it. So I've used all the dollars and the money that we've made. It's not about making the money. It's not about the things. And this is why I say live your legacy while you're building it. And I also talk about living a life of luxury, which isn't, it's different from a luxurious life. Of course, we all want that. But a life of luxury is being able to say, I have the luxury of dropping everything and going. I have the luxury of picking up my grandkids. I have the luxury of traveling out of the country if I want it in a moment's notice. I have the luxury of getting a... a, a massage if I want to today, right? It's living a life of luxury at the same time. I just feel like there are so many people that aren't buying into that yet. And they're going to be mistaken terribly, really bad later on, right? They're going to say, I have to rust out, not wear out. And that's where we're just, where I think we're headed with everything that we're doing and why it's so important for me to share that story with people. And even the people I coach, it's not about let's make some money right now. It's every dollar that you have, it's stepping over to what you want in your life. And that's mm-hmm. how we approach it. I absolutely love this. I drew a line in the sand a few years ago and left public education. And I had to put in some long hours, woke up at three in the morning for about six months just because underwriting and doing the different things that needed to be done for the investment business and such. And just to like really, once you can, if you can get clear about what it is that you want in your life and the type of life you want, you can create it. 
it's there. Yeah. Like it is absolutely a possibility. You are living proof. I am living proof. And we, you and I both know many people who are living and breathing this truth daily. In fact, Conscious Investor, this is a fun fact. I was out snowboarding because Fridays are family days. And during the winter, we're up at the ski resort. And the kids were in lessons last week. And I was riding. My husband couldn't make it that day. And so I'm just riding the chairlift alone and sometimes just with random skiers. So I'd ask them like, hey, so what do you do that allows you to be up here on a Friday? Yeah. And it's interesting, the responses that I received. And as most people are, I mean, I spoke with a gentleman who, well, I retired at 38. That's a great conversation. So what did you yeah. do to retire at 38? Tell me more <laughs> about this. And just different people, like, it was amazing to just to see last week alone, asking that single question to four or five people, how many people have figured this out? And so this isn't yeah. just for Jen and Julie and a few others. This is for you. And you don't have to stay living any type of life. Life is not fixed. You can have the life of your dreams and the life yeah. that you want to have. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you said that. So I always fly first class. Now, it's not because I'm hoity-toity. It's because that's where all the fun, good people are. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I hate to say it that way, but I mean, the most interesting people are there because we see it as a networking of five rows or whatever. We all start networking. And that's why I do it because it pays off mm -hmm. so well. I met someone from... Where was he from? Poland. He's from Poland, but he lives in London. He's an attorney, IP attorney. I can't think what the IP is, intellectual property attorney. And oh, wow. he's like, oh, I'm visiting my friends in Virginia. And while they were there, he called me and he goes, hey, my friends, we're coming out to the winery. We own a portion of winery. He's like, we're coming out there. And I go, well, we're dropping everything. And we're coming over. And then I got to meet them. And I found out, oh my gosh, these beautiful things about them. And now I'm part of a networking group with the local ones. And I mean, it's just amazing. Again, it doesn't have to be on first class. It could be on a chairlift, but you have to ask the questions to find out more about people. And it's just blossomed my life even more by knowing these people. And it was a simple, simple question of sitting next to somebody and asking, you know, what do they do? It opens up as a floodgate of opportunity. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I'm looking at the time and I'm just like, whoa, I had a feeling <laughs> recently I was on your podcast. We had such a great time recording and time does fly. So let's talk about impacts. I want to shift gears once again, because you are a top selling author and you have over 15, I want to say you have 19 books. Yeah. And somewhere between 15 and 20, I've got to bring them all out. I, I usually try to keep them around, but I think I'm like 17, 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Award-winning author. And you have a new book. You have like, let's just talk. I'm going to give the floor to you. Tell us about your latest book. Yeah. So what we're working on right now. Yes. Or you can take it either way because I feel like <laughs> you just released a book and you have another book coming out. So what okay. So yeah. So I just released, so I'll bring this one up. I just released Tell Me I Can't. And well, I shouldn't say just, it's been released, but this is my most recent release book, Tell Me I Can't. This is a fiction book. This is supposed to be me for those of you that are watching, but it's supposed to be me walking. So I released this book. I wanted to do a book for women. But I didn't want it to be a self-help book. Most of the books I've done, it's all personal development and all that stuff. And it still does that. But I had a ghostwriter for it. We are in the process of having a manuscript written for Hallmark or for Lifetime Television. So if you've watched those shows, it's the same old thing. Why do I have to go to the country? And I don't like these people. And now I love these people and I fall in love. But 
the main character, which by the way, all the characters are my family members. We just pulled names out of a hat and that's how the characters are. The main character, Anna, who's my middle grandchild right now, she will be my second grandchild in a little bit, but Anna goes through all these trials and tribulations that she's not worth it. She's not worthy enough. She's not as good as everybody says she is. She has second thoughts. She doubts herself. And it's my thought process that went through my whole life of just, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Well, maybe I am. Maybe. And then I have setbacks. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm an imposter too. Don't tell me I can't. And we called it, tell me I can't because they didn't want the negative. Don't tell me you can't. It's like, don't tell me I can't. Tell me I can't is go ahead. Tell me I can't. Yeah. And watch what I do. Right. And so that's what she does in the book. So it's a real fun, playful book. And I think it's great for women to read. And Mark Victor Hansen, I only have one endorsement. Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soap for the Soul, among thousands of other books. If not, I believe he's the top selling bookseller in the world. But he called me and he said, would you mind if I wrote the testimonial on the front of the cover? And I was like, "Mm, let me think. No problem. Good friend of mine. He's a really good friend. He's just a super guy. He and his wife are adorable. And so that was kind of fun to have that. The next book that we're working on right now, we hope to come out end of April, beginning of May called Impact. And it'll be volume two. We already have volume one and this is volume one, volume one. And so Impact stands for Inspiring Motivational Powerful Acronyms for Cognitive Thinking. And I was on a call one day And I realized that that all of a sudden there was this second language and it was just a bunch of acronyms flying around. And I thought, oh my gosh, how cool would it be to put a book together with everybody using all these acronyms because we all use them and we know that it helps. I mean, LOL, we already know it it helps us communicate. And six weeks later, we had a number one bestselling book, number one bestselling book in seven different categories because we have inspirational and heartfelt and funny and business and wealth and nutrition. We have all of it. We have all of it in there. And that's what we're doing in volume two. We're doing the next volume, putting this out to be able to make an impact on people's lives. So the ideas here is to inspire people every day to open it up to some page and say, that's exactly what I needed. Mm, I love everything that you create. It's just you're gifted, you're talented, and it comes from just such a genuine heart of service. And it's just, it's so beautiful. So, and what I love about books like Impact is when you can pick up a book, especially if maybe you're not a reader, you don't identify as a reader and you don't want to feel like I have to go chapter to chapter and I have to maintain a flow of thought. It's like, it's so lovely to pick up a book and just be able to say, I can just pick and let something speak to me and receive it for what it is. It's a really very friendly way for to create accessibility for personal growth for everyone. Yeah. And as you know, because of the book club, right? Just read a couple pages a day, 10 pages a day is all you need. But in this particular book, you only have to read three or four days. And my launch book, Launch How to Take Your Business to New Heights, my first book, it's done that same way. It's sequential if you want, but it's also just pull it open and go, okay, what can I do today to move the needle on my business? And, and I think that that's so powerful for our busy lives, right? We have so many busy lives that I think that's super powerful to be able to just do something. And the other thing that we did in this book, and we'll do in the next one too, is that we have QR codes at the end of each chapter where I interview the author, right? It's sort of like a mini podcast, but it's not about their chapter. It's about them. So we bring the authors to life so that it's more of an interactive type of book. That's really, that makes it extra special because if you're really connecting with that segment of the book to be able to just take it that much further, I love it. Yeah. 
Jen, you're just extraordinary and just, I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful to share this conversation with you and to share it with the conscious investor. And I know that this is resonating and this is so shareable. I know that there's been something along the way, conscious investor that has touched you and impacted you and helped kind of shift your perspective a bit so that you're going to live that legacy now, not someday 40 years from now, someday 15 years from now. And so you want to share this. Somebody came to mind at some point, I guarantee it. You want to share this episode with that person, listen to that intuition speaking to you and send that off. So easy to do. And Jen, I know a lot of people are like, whoa, she's amazing. I want to connect further. What's the best way for people to connect, to purchase your books, to look at what coaching you offer, to maybe book you for the next speaking event? Yeah, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, the best way is just go to jendeplasis.com. That's my website. But if you're watching this, right, I also have a text down here that is to just simply text Jen, J-E-N, I'm a one N Jen, Jen to 26786. Again, that's Jen to 26786. And you will receive a complimentary copy of my launch book, the e-version of it. And we can start having a conversation from there. But if you want to have a conversation, if something resonated and you say, I, I want to talk to you now, then go to jendeplessis.com and click on that contact button and you'll be able to contact us. Oh my gosh, you're so generous and kind. Jen, thank you so much again for your time. And Conscious Investor, take all of this information to heart and allow it to transform your life. Things happen from the inside out. So take time, think about things that stood out to you so that you can take that next step in your life to living that legacy now. Until next time, live big, love bigger, and do great things. What's the big deal about investing in apartments? Why is it better than investing in a slew of single family homes? I've compiled a lot of information on why investing in a multifamily, also known as apartments, will help you reach your investment goals. Head over to 3keysinvestments.com and download the Why Invest in Multifamily Guide today.